0: Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the quick hitter version of Dave's front office. Our featured discussion this week is with 76ers head coach Doc Rivers. Doc is no stranger to racism, and here's how he handled it. I know you've experienced a lot of racism in your own life. Uh, Your wife, Chris, was subjected to graffiti on her car and racist remarks when she started going out with you at Marquette. And after the two of you were married and had a family while you were playing for the Spurs, your house in San Antonio was burned to the ground by a couple of racist kids. Luckily, you and your family were not in the house And I know Martin Luther King advocated a a path of nonviolence. And I think you followed that path by raising your voice louder, using your stature and position to advocate for change. But how did you bury your rage when you saw the ashes of your house, lost your dog, your family photographs and trophies?
1: It was hard, Dave. Um, You know, I remember that day and pulling up to a house that was literally crashing down. Um, and at first I didn't know why I just knew my house was on fire. Uh, then the next day that they're Texas Rangers and yeah, they're real Texas Rangers right. with, with the cowboy hats and all they pull up and they're doing an investigation and they know immediately who had done it. And it was skinheads, uh, a group of, uh, you know, alt-right kids who had done it once before to an Indian couple. Uh, and they burned my house down because of the color of my skin. Uh, and so the rage was there, there's no doubt. Uh, but the voice of my father, uh, of my my parents was there as well. Um, you know, there'll be no victims, you know, keep moving on. Don't let them see you hurt, uh, keep moving. And so that's what I did. It was funny. Now, Chris, on the other hand, <laughs> She wanted, I had friends too that called me. Honestly, I had honestly got friends from Chicago that called me and wanted to come up and and start something. And I I said, no, I resisted all that. I said, "Uh, I'm going to keep living my life to let people know there's nothing you're going to do to affect me. Uh, I'm not going to give you uh, that pleasure uh, of looking at me and, and being a vengeful person. That's not who I am. And I think that would have hurt me and that would have hurt my life.
0: You know, your, your dad was a Chicago policeman. And while you were a young man when, or probably a kid, six, seven years old maybe, when Martin Luther King was assassinated, you know, I wonder, did, did you, especially with your dad as a cop, have a lot of discussions about race uh, when you were a young man about how to deal, not only just with life, but with the police that may have stuck with you and that you've passed on to maybe your kids and your family?
1: Yeah, you have to. Uh, when you're a person of color, you better have that conversation. And I think it, the, the conversation took more notice for me is because my dad, who was a cop, was telling me about cops. Right. You know, and it, for me, the first time I ever saw my father cry was the day Martin Luther King was assassinated. You know, I never had heard of Martin Luther King right. until the day he was assassinated. I was seven years old, I think, six or seven, and I come home, my grandfather and my father are on the couch crying, and I I knew something was big. Uh, now, every one of my family members were in the house, so I knew no one in my family had died, so it was very uh, complicated for me to try to figure out, confusing, like what was going on. They're all sitting watching the riots uh, around L.A., around everywhere, uh, they're you know, the police dogs, they were showing that. And that far after is when my dad had that conversation that said, hey, listen, I'm a cop in Maywood. Uh, You are safe here. But don't you forget when you leave this area and you get pulled over or you get stopped, if you're walking down the street, don't run, be polite. Uh, and, And the first question, well, what if I haven't done anything? Don't run.
0: That didn't matter. Your dad was telling you that didn't matter.
1: And he was saying it is dangerous out there uh, for you, and he made that clear for me. Meaning, uh, now I was a black kid. It's dangerous out there. It's not what you think it is on TV. And he made a point of that.
0: You know, and when you're when you're growing up like me as a white kid, you know, I didn't. I was fortunate being in the league this long and being exposed to teammates who were black and hearing the stories. And when I got into coaching, coaching staff members, and they would tell these stories about their parents telling them about if you got stopped, how careful you had to be what you said. I I never knew about that because if I got stopped by a cop and the occasions I did, it was there was no threat to me, you know, there was nothing that I had to worry about other than I got a speeding ticket or something. Well, You know, Dave, I, I was in a
1: workshop during the pandemic. I think that's all we did with Zoom workshops. Right. And, you know, it was, a, it was like 10 black guys, 10 white guys, and, discuss um, and were, we discussed race. And we're all from different areas, different economic groups. And one of the most startling things, one of the guys said, a white gentleman said, you know, I was growing up, I always ran to the cops. You guys grew up running away from the cops. He mm-hmm. said, just the thought of that is a scary image uh, to me. And, and and it's very true that that's, that's what we felt. We got and scared.
0: And it hasn't been just recently. It's been generational. It's you know, been generational. One generation passing that on to the next.
1: Listen, and it's also, you think like, well, this is a story that I tell everybody. When I played for the Clippers, that coach, when I played for the Clippers, The Clippers arena was in South Central, right? And I would drive my BMW to practice. I was pulled over four times a week on the average, just, you know, checking to see my license. And it got so old after a while. And I realized I was being pulled over for no other reason as I'm a black man driving a nice car uh, in South Central LA. And, you know, it's funny, I will say this, and this is where that gives you hope. 30 years later, 25 years later, I'm coaching. I didn't get pulled over one time in the four years that I coached the Clippers. So I don't know what's changed, maybe the location of the arena, I'm not sure. Right. But that's a difference. And so there is hope. Uh, there's marginal differences for sure.
0: If you'd like to hear more from Doc Rivers, check out the full version of Dave's front office from Pure Hoops Media.